Hello, you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. It's an honor and a privilege uh, to be before you, and I thank God for this opportunity. Uh, Anytime you can break the bread of life, it's uh, a great honor and a privilege. And not only would I like to thank God, but I'd like to thank my pastors as well. And thank them for this opportunity. I'd like to take this time publicly to thank uh, Pastor Sheila because I was serving as a uh, associate pastor at a small struggling church, and uh, Maria met her and came and visited this church. And they connected, and God used you to touch Maria's heart. And she came back and said, Do you mind if I go over to that church because I met Pastor Sheila and I like being there? So uh, Maria came on over and then uh, I followed her here. And so it's a great opportunity to be here. And this is our church family. Uh, I also want to thank our pastors for this little booklet. I don't know if you've been reading it, but this is full of biblical insight. Maria and I use it as a devotion. We read the scriptures and then we pray the prayers. But if you haven't, don't just lay this down somewhere. Use this. It's extremely valuable. I've been given the task in this series regarding uh, uh, too busy not to pray. And uh, we're going to be looking at the components of prayer. And God has begun to reveal to me uh, his perspective on prayer. You know, from my perspective uh, early on, uh, it's from a perspective of receiving. And as I begin to look at God's perspective, it's from a perspective of giving. And his whole purpose for prayer is different from mine, you know. And uh, uh, you can see that there's four different types of, uh, four components in prayer. There's supplication, there's intercession, there's thanksgiving, and there's adoration. As I begin to study these, I begin to see that they're, they're all intertwined and interrelated. And so I'm just going to kind of touch base uh, on them briefly. I've got some scriptures that you can take a look at. Uh, the first scripture is Ephesians 6.18. If you would place that up here, please, I'd appreciate it. And then we'll take a look at Philippians 4, 6, and then 1 Timothy 2, 1. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all matter of prayer and entry. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And if we take a look at Philippians 4, 6, we can see that most of them say primarily the same thing, but they're all listing these different components of prayer. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance, and everything by prayer and petition, definite request, and thanksgiving. Continue to make your wants known to God. Philippians 4, 6. And the last one we'll look at would be 1 Timothy 2, 1. I don't know about you, but uh, my perspective on God and uh, other people uh, has changed over the years because I've been going through a change process. Amen? And, prayer, and God has used that. First of all, then I admonish and urge 
that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men. Uh, Before I get deeper in this message, I also want to remind us that I'm not too busy to listen because listening is something that is required during prayer. I don't know about you, but God has told me to be quiet before because he has something he wants to say. Sometimes we can be so busy talking that uh, we don't give him a chance to say anything. And I've had circumstances. I had one circumstance where uh, my father uh, uh, lived about 100 miles away and I went to visit him. And my uh, my stepmother said that he's sick and he won't go to the hospital. So I went down and he says, I'll go if you take me. I took him, put him in the hospital. On the way home, I just about drove in the driveway 100 miles, and they called me and told me that there was a life-changing situation that I need to get back to the hospital. So I go back, and I'm crying on the way there, and I'm praying for his salvation. I've been praying that, that, that he wouldn't die, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, you're praying for the wrong thing. He says, your dad's not saved. And so then I begin to pray. For salvation, and I go in that morning, and uh, I ask him, God, do you? I said, Dad, Dad, do you really? Do you want to pray to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, Yes. And so he prayed, and he got saved. And and even the doctor, when he came out after the surgery, and we said, Well, how'd it go? He says, It was great. He says the man upstairs took care of it. And there was really two miracles that morning. There was his salvation, and there was also the fact of the, of the surgery. And so sometimes, you know, we have to realize, and I can appreciate uh, Brother William and his wife and, and, and those who are involved in any type of uh, missionary work because you're committed to prayer, because you have difficult circumstances, and because you have to learn to listen and to our pastors for direction. And so listening is a part. And, and it's best taught in First Samuel chapter 3. Verse 3 to 8, and in this passage of scripture, there's a young child, and he's with Eli, and uh, Eli begins, uh, and, 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 and Lord begins to call his name, and he doesn't know it's God. And so he goes back to Eli and says, here I am. And this goes on three times. I'm just paraphrasing it. This goes on three times, and then finally, uh, Eli tells him, listen because it's the Lord and acknowledge him. And so we have this saying in, in, in traditional church sometimes, develop an ear to hear, a spiritual ear to hear what God is saying. But God will not compete with the radio, the TV, the, the, the telephone. You have to quiet your soul because he's got a, a small, silent voice. See, and, and believe it or not, some Christians do not believe that God will speak to you. Except through the word. He speaks through the word. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through people. But also I've experienced audibles. Early on in ministry in Detroit. And uh, it was uh, late. And I was in a hurry. And, uh, and the roads were treacherous. Because it was wintertime. Icy. And there was a hairpin turn coming off the lodge. Going on 94. And I was going extremely too fast. And I know the radio wasn't on. Because I was driving a hoopty. And I didn't have a radio. And as I come and the voice spoke to me, an audible in my spirit says, slow down. And as I begin to slow, slow and hit that turn, when I came out the turn, instead of the car, the car in front of me had turned over and the wheels were pointing out that way. And the driver was climbing out of the passenger window. And if God wouldn't have spoke to me, I wouldn't be here today. 
And so, yes, God does speak to us, but I guess he only speaks if we believe that he speaks. If I believe that he doesn't, then I don't have to worry about it. Amen. But I have to believe that that he speaks. And so uh, as we talk about this whole thing about prayer, remember that it also includes listening. And that's real important that uh, uh, I would be able uh, to listen. Uh, Richard uh, Foster makes a statement. He says uh, the following. He says that uh, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. And so as I was doing this study, I began to realize that God's purpose for prayer is different from our purpose to prayer. You know? extremely different than from ours is, from his perspective. And he began to show me, and the way he began to show me uh, was because my perspective had begun to change how I view him. And he took me to the greatest commandment in uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. Before I go forward, though, I want to make a statement. You and I are participants in the greatest love story ever told. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so we are participants in the greatest love story ever told. And this is expressed in Matthew. If you put up Matthew uh, 22, 36 through 40 for me, it's the greatest commandment when the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to trick Jesus. They asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love thy Lord, thy God, with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And the second is likened unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so as I begin to see prayer, and I begin to see that this is God's primary desire for all of his children. Amen? Can you say amen? amen. That we would learn to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. And love as neighbors as itself. So there's this, the, the, great, the, the greatest commandment uh, is a vertical relationship with him and a horizontal relationship with the rest of us, right? That represents the cross. Amen. So if we could just grasp this concept that our whole stay on earth here, if you erase everything else, it's really just about a relationship. And, and the role that we have to understand is that God uses prayer to fulfill this greatest commandment. Amen? That's what prayer is all about. Let me give you an example of supplication. Uh, we're talking about uh, petitions and specific requests. And I appreciate you, Brother uh, William, because last week you were talking about the word and everything. And one of the things uh, about the word is prayer makes the word come alive. Amen? I can remember you hear, you hear people talk about a famine. In the land, I had a famine in my house. Why? Too many people were not enough food. I had just got out of a drug treatment center, and uh, there was uh, four adults in the house, four teenagers, and three children. And that requires a lot of food. And I was... Uh, struggling because there was a new life of me uh, not using drugs. And I can remember getting out of a vehicle and saying to God, 
I don't have much money. I need something marked down. I go straight to the aisle where the meat is faster, and I look, and there's two family packs of chicken with a red marker on them, reduced. Amen? Now, some people would say that's coincidence or chance, but you can't tell me that. That chicken was for Bob Van. And now, now, now you know, people say, people, people say, 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 you know, the effectual fervent prayer of a man uh, availeth much. Now, I don't know at that age, at that stage in my life, if that was an effectual fervent prayer will or not. But all I know is God had the chicken there for me. Amen. Amen. I can remember struggling with all these people in the house and the family that's going on. And I can remember I was emotionally distraught, Pastor. And I was overwhelmed and it was cold up in Michigan. The ice was beginning to form on the lake and where I fished and everything. And I didn't know nothing to do. But I know when I got down by the wire, water would calm me and I could pray. And so I started putting these uh, uh, overalls on, insulated in the hood. And I grabbed my bucket and my rod. And, and everybody in the house says, look at, what is he doing? It's wintertime. And Maria says, where are you going? I said, I'm going fishing. And so I go out there and I'm standing and I'm casting my rod and I'm crying. I'm saying, God. If you don't help me, I can't do this. If you, can't, if you don't help I'm not doing this. And I'm just crying, and all of a sudden, peace came over me. You know, that surpasses all understanding. And I stopped crying, and I'm casting, I'm, I'm knocking the ice out of the eyes on my rod because they're freezing. And the last cast before I go home, bam! I said, wow, that's a big fish. And I could hardly get the fish in. But I got him in, went home, cleaned it. And the fish was so large that everybody ate fish and there was a piece left over. Now, see, I, see at this time, I'm running on everybody else's testimony. Because I don't have one. I haven't been there that long. I heard of Jehovah Jireh. I can read that. But you have to understand that it's through prayer that God has the word come alive. And now I know his character. I know him as Jehovah Jireh. Y'all hear what I'm saying? See, so, so supplication is something that God uses to fill our needs so he can reveal his character to us. Because now I'm taking, listen to where I'm going, because then I begin to love him with all my heart, soul, and mind. Because now I'm knowing who he is. Y'all with me? Okay, then let me move on. Let me move on a little bit. And so then you look at intercessory prayer. See, as... As, as God begins to change who I am, he's molding and shaping us into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Our perception is changing. Now I've learned to trust God because I'm getting to know him. It's not all about me anymore. And I'm beginning to say, well, he done this for me. He could do that for you too. So now I'm going into intercessory prayer. Amen. I'm starting to pray for other people now because uh, I'm beginning to trust God for me and I can see what he's doing in my life. I say, well, he can do it in your life, too. When I went to prison, uh, I went to maximum security because I was old. My younger brother, he went to Green Bay Reformatory because he was young. He got down on his knees, prayed and asked God to uh, uh, enter into heart. He got saved. I didn't. I got out of prison. I went in a heathen, I came out a heathen. Yeah, I can laugh, it's all right, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it now. <laughs> See, and, and, and then as a result, 
Maria started, but my brother, when he got out of prison, he got caught up in, the, in this movement and he became a Sumi Muslim. And so then I, once again, I'm following Maria. I followed her to church and I get saved because she had been calling my brother saying, you need to come and check on your brother. So what happens is to make a long story short, 10 years, him and I interacted. But I couldn't talk to him about the Lord for the simple reason that I seen him and my son get in an argument, almost got in a fist fight because he viewed Christianity as the white man's religion. So him and I were fishing one day and I'm talking to God silently and I says, give me a word for my brother. And he says, ask him if he knows that the backslider is married to Jesus. So, OK. So I asked him, we're in a boat. So do you know that the back? He says, yeah, we kept on fishing. That's all I ever said to him. Ten years I go, I visit him. I'm praying for him. I would visit him. I take my Bible. I would go to church and everything. Then finally one day he calls me. And he says, you know, I'm having trouble out of my kids. I said, hey, I know you don't want to hear it. I'm having trouble out of mine, but all I have is Jesus. So the bottom line is about another six months he calls. He says, I've been wrestling with God. And jokingly, I say, did he hit you in the hip? He says, he don't fight fair. He hit me in my hip and he says, I reembrace Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Ten years I prayed for him. Ten years. So what am I trying to tell you? Don't give up on that loved one that you see that's struggling because God won't give up on you. Hey Amen. Let me move forward. Let me move forward. Uh, let me go to, uh, I want to go to uh, the... Uh, Romans 8.26. God is so committed to developing his children so that they can love him with all the heart and soul and mind. And he's so committed to prayer that he allows the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen to what he says here. He says, so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray to, to prayer or to offer, know how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplications and pleads on our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groans. He's saying, you don't really know what to pray for. He says, but because I want to release something to you as my child, my Holy Spirit will rearrange the prayers and make them acceptable so that I can release your inheritance. Amen. So so that's how committed God is to prayer. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit is that it's it's a weakness we have. It's not not easy to pray to someone you can't see. Let's keep it real. Right. It's, it's difficult. But, but it says, I rearrange your prayers. And so I, I, there's, there's many times that I've prayed and I don't know. I, now I know how the prayer got through. Y'all can say, amen. amen. You know, it's, it's, it got through because the Holy Spirit got it through. Amen. Not because I got it through. You know, I studied that prayer in James 5, 16, that effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, William. And that effectual means a purposeful prayer. And fervent means a, a heart-filled, passionate, intense prayer. So, and then it says, of a righteous man. The only requirement I met was I was a righteous man. Not because of my behavior, but because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. So I, the other two, I don't know. But that part about availeth much, that means that uh, it accomplishes much. See, so I don't know if some of my prayers were affection fervent, but I don't know the, the, the other ones. The Holy Spirit has got my, got my prayer through. 
Amen? Amen. So we have to understand that these prayers all run together. It makes the word come alive. It reveals God's character and developing trust. See, now, let me go back and share one more intercessory prayer with you. I had a daughter that I raised from age two. She stayed with me and my first wife got divorced. She came and lived with me for a while, went back. Long story short, she got strung out on drugs. We couldn't find her for a while. And then anyway, I got a phone call from her and she says, Dad, I'm coming to visit you. Pick me up at the bus station. I go and pick her up, you know. She's in her 40s now, you know. I'm glad to see her. She says, Dad, I'm saved. I don't use drugs. She comes to church with me. I'm watching her. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. About five or six days later, she, she, takes, she becomes ill. I come to find out she has cancer and it's all through her body. But I thank God because God sent her by to let me know that she was saved and she could go to church with me and everything. Make a long story short, I had the, the difficulty of officiating the funeral. But prior to that funeral... I begin to pray, Pastor. I begin to pray for every individual that would be in the church, that God would remove the blinders from their mind, hold back the enemy long enough, let them see Jesus in an evangelistic prayer. So when I get, and, and some people say, well, you can't do that at a funeral. You can't tell me what I can't do. See, funeral, uh, a funeral is not for the dead. It's for the living. Amen. So, 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 so I have an altar call. Right? And the aisles are filled with people. Amen. Tears running down their face. Intercessory prayer. Yes. So you have to understand that one of the signs that you're maturing is when you begin to be concerned about other people. Yes. See? And that's that, you know, say, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let me, let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you. People got all these books out about self-esteem, William. According to that scripture, my self-esteem comes in between me loving God and me loving others. So the only way I can get self-esteem is through my God esteem. See, see, because when I begin to see who he is, it lets me see who I am. God don't make no junk. So, so my whole perspective of me changes. And so it's all, see, all that God does in prayer is, is centered around us being able to fulfill that first and greatest command. He wants us to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. See, and then when you get to prayers of thanksgiving, right, it's easy. Because I can look back over at all these supplications. I can look back at all these intercessions. And I can say, I got a lot to be grateful for. Amen. And so now, you know, I'm thanking God for, for all these things that are going on in my life. And, 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 and I got plenty because uh, I got evidence of him working. I see his character. We moved, to, we moved uh, here from, uh, uh, from Michigan. And we hadn't been here a week. And we got a phone call, youngest daughter. She's in the hospital. She's been diagnosed with spider meningitis. Maria's like, what are we going to do? I said, grab the hand and says, we're going to pray. Amen. We begin to pray that scripture, William, you know, healed by his stripes, no weapon. You know, and we're praying, we're praying. Two days later, we get a call. She's walking out of the hospital, and the doctors are scratching their head. Yes. I'm saying, yeah, Jehovah Rapha. Yes. Jehovah Rapha. Now, see, see, now, see, 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 see. And you have to understand that there's a scripture. Uh, I see my time. I'm going to keep going. Uh, 2 Peter 2.20. 2 Peter 
chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. So, so, so now I know him as Jehovah Rapha. See, I know him as Jehovah Jireh. You know, I know that he would, as an intercessor, I know he heals. And so now God is using prayer so that I understand him and know who he is. Amen. And so when you get to Second uh, Peter, I don't know if that's. I want to go to uh, the scripture that says, may grace and peace be multiplied. I thought it was Second Peter chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Is that right? Is it first chapter? Give me the first chapter in Peter, Second Peter. Yes. First Peter. Okay. May grace, God's favor and peace, which is perfect well-being and all necessary good and spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you in the presence of his full, personal, precise and correct knowledge. So you can't earn grace. Amen. 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 But it can be multiplied through relational knowledge. Amen. So you have to understand that the more you get to know him, the more peace you will experience and the greater grace you will receive. And so that's what God is working toward. And notice in this scripture, it says full personal and precise knowledge. See, there's two words in the Greek for knowledge. There's gnosis and there's epinosis. Gnosis is head knowledge and you have to epinosis is heart knowledge. See, when the Logos comes off the page and I experience it, you know, that's relational knowledge. That's not just information and intellectual. Y'all with me? Shake your head like this and say amen. Okay, so so you have to understand that that that's what, you know, grace and peace be multiplied. So, So the closer I get to him and the more I get to know him, the greater peace I experience and the greater grace I receive. I'm not earning it, but he gives it to me because of the level of intimacy that I have with him. See, that's what this is all about. This whole prayer thing is uh, a level of intimacy. See, and I can look where I started at and I look where I am now and I can see through prayer. I can see through prayer that when I first heard about God, I had a bad taste in my mouth because my mother died when I was seven. And they told me, well, God's in charge of everything. I said, well, then why did God kill my mother? And I said, because I didn't know him. And I thought God was a supernatural being. And he, doo, 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 you got to tune him in. He's way out there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Then I got in the word and I began to learn that uh, he was a father. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then that didn't sit well with me because me and my dad didn't have a good relationship until later on in the years when he stopped drinking and I stopped drugging. And then I got saved and then he got saved. And then we had, see, but so, so I had to work through that. So then if you get to the prayer of adoration, yes. now you're talking about you're talking about all spirit-filled worship. Yes. That's the ultimate prayer. Yes. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not thanking him for what he's done. I'm, I'm, I'm thanking him for who he is. Yes. You know, and I'm just praising him for who he is. And 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 you know, the, you know, and I, I learned that God is my father. But there's a term in the Bible, every time I use it, I tear up and it touches me. Abba. 
That term just, it just does something down inside of me. I can be on the treadmill, William, and, and praying, and when I say, Abba, Daddy. Yeah. See, well, you say, well, that's disrespectful. It ain't disrespectful to me because he my daddy. Amen. And it just done something down inside of me. And it's a term of endearment that Jesus used and the apostles used. To me, it's father is great. But Abba is just something about that term that just when you when when you're praying and and you Abba, my daddy, you know, what I'm saying it just melts in my heart. And and so that's that's that. And so all of this is geared toward prayer towards God. Revealing itself to you and I. Increasing our love, not just for him, but for ourselves and for others. And so that's how God uses prayer. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this. I hadn't planned on doing, but I got time. Last night uh, at the men's meeting, we had some young men there. I want to thank you too, Lee, because you did a great job. We had some great men there, young men there, teenagers that we're ministering to and we're having a great time there. And one of the young men was asking a question. He says, well, why sometimes when a Christian prays, his prayer don't get answered? And one of the things I share with him is sometimes we ask God for what he's already given us. If I don't know the promises, if I don't know what's in the book, I can be asking for something he's saying, but... I gave it to you already. That's part of your inheritance. You see, so I need to know what my inheritance is. Y'all with me? And so we shared that. Uh, And then I I began to think, well, let me address that, Pastor. And so James 4.3 talks about having wrong motives. That's one reason that my prayers are not answered. I have wrong reasons, you know. Uh, another in James 1, 6, 8, it talks about the double-minded man. You know, I can't be double-minded, you know. And, 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 and if we're honest, all of us at some time or another have been double-minded. See, I used to have plan A was God, but plan B was in case he don't come through when I want him to. So I've already negated plan A because I got plan B, amen? But, but that's the way the carnal mind works. That's, 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 that's immaturity. You know what I'm saying? We, we got to grow out of that so we can trust God for A and wait on A rather than uh, formulating B as a backup plan. And we know Luke 18, 9 through 14 and pride. We know the Pharisee went up and was bragging to God about I did this, I did that. And he looked over with a condescending attitude at the tax collector. Back in those days, the tax collector was known as being crooks. And he looked over at him and said, I ain't like that joker over there, you know. And he was, but, but, the, but the tax collector was repentant. Yes, and God said that this man's yes. prayers was answered yes. when he left, not the other. And so we know that pride. I want to spend a little time on 1 Peter 3, 7. How many married couples we got? Oh, yeah, okay. 1 Peter 3, 7. If y'all would put that up for me. I got a few minutes. I'm going to talk about that. In the same way you married men should live considerably with your wives with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. Honoring the woman as physically the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace of God. God's unmerited favor 
of life in order that your prayers not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. God views married couples as one. They become one. And so, you know, this is a lesson that we have to learn sometime because, Sister Cecilia, don't you tell Marie I've been talking about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We struggled early on because of this very thing. When we got down here, God had spoke to me and told me to relocate. And we came down here to start our ministry and everything. And Maria was lonesome for her mother, for the kids. She wanted to go back. So there was this division between us. And I said, I told her, I can't go back. I said, you'll be happy with the kids and everything. And I'll be getting whooped by the Holy Ghost, William, because I, 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 didn't, I didn't do what he told me to do. So I got to stay. God told me to come and stay. And so it took us a long time to work through that. And the way God helped us was he sent some of the children down. Then eventually her mother, 96 years old, came to live with us. And I got a chance to to, to work with her. But we have to understand as married couples, it's imperative that there be harmony. There be oneness on one accord, because if we're not, then we can do a, spend a lot of time praying and be frustrated, and we don't know why our prayers are not being answered. It's because of the fact that there's this dissension, strain on the relationship. Amen? Amen. So, I want you to, to leave today understanding this. It's from Charles Spurgeon. To seek aid in time of distress from a supernatural being is an instinct of human nature. I believe in the truthfulness of this instinct and that man prays because there's something in prayer. As when creator gives his creature the power of thirst, it's because water exists to meet his thirst. And when he creates hunger, there's food to correspond to the appetite. So when he inclines men to pray... It's because prayer has a corresponding blessing connected with it. And he is that blessing. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. He who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we can seek stuff in the beginning, but when we get to this adoration stage, he, we realize he's the reward. Not things. Amen. And that is all done through the power of prayer. Because God's perspective on prayer is different from me and yours. He wants to reveal and release things to us. And he really wants us to know his character. He wants us to trust him. And he wants us to learn to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. And love ourselves and as we love our neighbors. Amen. Uh, We've been praying that if anyone is here today that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that God would have removed the blindness from your mind and and touch your hearts. And so we're going to give anybody here who's not saved an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by
by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.